The Bible Study Podcast, episode 543. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel 24. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We are actually finishing the book of 2 Samuel today. This is half the way through our journey, roughly, in terms of number of books. We're, this study is going to be First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. I could also do First and Second Chronicles, but I think I, at least, will be sick of the kings by that point. And second, First and Second Chronicles retells the story of First and Second Kings. So if you want to read that in parallel, feel free to do that. But here we wrap up one of the last chapters that wraps up the kingship of David. We're going to have David still as king next chapter in as we start First Kings, but you'll see that's where it will end. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, Go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the thrones a hundred times over, and may the eyes of the Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders so that they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. After crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aror, south of the town in the gorge, and then went through Gad and on to Jazer. They went to Gilead and the regions of Tatimhochi and on to Danjon and around toward Sidon. Then they went toward the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Finally, they went on to Beersheba in the Negev of Judah. After they'd gone through the entire land, they came back to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. Joab reported the number of the fighting men to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 able-bodied men who could handle a sword, and in Judah, 500,000. I'm going to pause here for a second because we have to make sure we understand what's going on so far. So they're doing a census, and census is something that is quite common to us. I know that here in the United States, we do a census every 10 years, and we count everybody, and we're counting voters, and we're apportioning representatives and things like that. But this started with the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them, saying, so what what David is doing is not going to be to the benefit of Israel, right? Joab tries to stop him and Joab says, do you really want to do this, basically? And the reason why is, the reason why you have a census in this case to try and figure out how many fighting men you have is you want to figure out how strong you are. But the problem is the strength of Israel is not the number of fighting men. The strength of Israel is their faithfulness to God. Remember the story way back when we were in Judges of Gideon. That's probably one of the places where we really see that, where Gideon is trying to throw out the Midianites, and he gathers up an army of people who are going to do it. They have, I think, 10,000 men, and God says, too many. Basically, if you win a victory with 10,000 men, you'll think you did it. And so first they just tell everybody, you know, go home if you want to, and a bunch of people go home. And then later God says, you still got too many men. And he forms this other test, and they basically get down to 150 men. 150 is a whole lot less than 10,000, but they win the victory with 150 men. 
the problem that what David has done here is he has thought for a moment that his strength relies on the fighting men instead of his strength relying on God. And so that's why the rest of this passage, if you understand that, the rest of this chapter will make more sense. David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men, and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Before David got up in the morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall there come on you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plague in your land? Now then, think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel, who was afflicting the people, Enough. Withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aronah the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded him through Gad. When Aronah looked up and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aronah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aronah said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty Aronah gives all this to the king. Aronah also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aronah, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. One of those strange things, because it's well outside our experience, at least it's outside my experience here, and it does talk about, we talk about the power of the king sometimes, but the king has enough power to get the entire country in trouble. It is because the guilt of the king, because of his sin, that this whole thing happened, that 70,000 people died. And certainly we know that even today our leaders can get us into trouble. There's a movie that's out right now that is The Post, and it's about the publishing of the Pentagon Papers and how several of the presidents, from Truman all the way up to Nixon, 
knew that they were going to fail in Vietnam and yet couldn't pull out, couldn't lose face, basically. And so even though they knew at some point that they weren't going to be successful, they continued on and 50,000 American soldiers died as well as you know hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese. And it's just the same lesson. It's the lesson that the leader in charge can cause great harm if they do the wrong thing. They have a great amount of responsibility. And here it's a double responsibility because God actually has David choose the punishment. David has sinned. He's done this long census. It takes him nine months to do the census. And he's had time to think about it. And it isn't until people come back, it isn't partway through even, that he says, hang on a second, hang on. Don't tell me the number. I was wrong. This was a mistake. But nine months later, after they've gone all around the country and they've counted people, he is he realizes that what he's done is wrong. And he's told by the prophet Gad that what he has done is wrong. He has forgotten where the strength of Israel is. I pray that we will remember where our strength is, that our strength is in God and not in ourselves. Not in the strength of our arms as a country, not in the strength of our what we have done as a person, but our strength is in God. That we would put our confidence in him And I also pray that we would be wise when we choose people who are going to be making those really, really difficult decisions. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.